Hey, everyone. We're still out on maternity leave. You like how I said we? Uh, This week, we're bringing you a classic episode that's been making the headlines recently. National Geographic has reported that scientists using animation software from the movie Frozen have determined what really happens to the hikers of the Dyatlov Pass incident. Did they finally prove that the KGB stalked them and then took them out? Or did they find the evidence of a Yeti or the aliens? Or was it Olaf? It was definitely Olaf. (laughs) Not quite. They're saying it was a simple explanation. The hikers perished in an avalanche. But listen on because there is a mountain of evidence that points to a much more sinister explanation. After checking out this throwback episode, you can head over to our Patreon for some bonus content like our mini-sodes, mix bags, wheel segment, and our Am I the Asshole questions where Reddit users ask whether they're the acting like assholes and then we judge them. Enjoy the episode and thanks so much. Keep it creepy. You always hear about things that go bump in the night, but... What could go bump so hard and so terrifying that it makes you run out of your tent on the side of a mountain into sub-zero temperatures with no shoes and no clothes? The bright light of a UFO? An attack from within the campsite? Or could it be something more sinister? Today's topic is the Dyatlov Pass Incident. Fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinister Have you ever been skiing? Hell no. <laughs> I think what we're learning from every episode is I am not really athletic. I'm not either. No interest in that. I'm, I'm, I'm not to prove. I went skiing only because I was invited to go. Fancy. Um, it was in middle school okay. with my best right. friend at the time. <laughs> um, I was terrible at it. And it was a living nightmare for me. I hated every fucking second of it. I mean, and I've never been back. I just can't see the, like, what's the benefit of hurtling down a mountain at top speeds? I rollerbladed. I mean, I I like to roller skate and rollerblade. Uh, I'd love to ice skate, but even that kind of like hurts your ankles after a yeah. minute. And I feel like ski boots would just be like, I don't like discomfort. I don't like to be uncomfortable. Then so you like would ski- not like skiing. <laughs> it's cold. The it's clothes, very wet. I feel like the clothes are restrictive. I don't like to get damp and also cold. Like when I lived in Chicago, it sucked if oh, your boots yeah. got wet and were cold. No, I'm not about that. So much like I got very nervous and uncomfortable talking about getting stuck under the caves yes. in the last episode talking about like getting stuck like out in the snow i'm just like no i had to go from my apartment to the train in the snow and uh, that was like bad enough yeah that i'm like why would you willingly i always <laughs> like snow? i thought about moving to chicago for a while but i was like how do people walk their dogs and do stuff like it just shut me down. i was like i don't think i'm cut out for that I'm kind telling of life. You, I'll never forget I was standing on the Roosevelt L line, like the L train stop and it's elevated and uh I looked down at my phone and it said zero feels like negative 19 <laughs> and I was like 
I think I'm going to apply to law school in Texas. <laughs> oh, were home. you at undergrad there? Yeah, I was an undergrad there. At Loyola? So, no, I was at University of Illinois, Chicago. UIC, go Flames. The Flames that ate the city all those years ago? Like, yeah. Oh, the like the Great Chicago Fire. Our uh, mascot was a dragon, though. So uh, it should have been a cow. It was all over the place. They really <laughs> missed an opportunity yes, with that. It's really all over the place. <laughs> oh, UIC. Well, I hated it. I was terrible at it, so... I never really experienced the fun part of skiing. I just fell on my ass and rolled a lot. What sounds great about skiing is like a lodge with cocoa mm-hmm. and a fire and a book and me and a blanket. Yeah. That sounds like my favorite part. I of ended up just making snowmen with my friend's little sister. Yep. Because that was way more fun sounds than what funny. I was doing. Also, you have to wear a bunch of sunscreen. Mm. So that's another thing. It's freezing. But you're getting burned. But you're getting sunburned. <laughs> so no. it's very confusing. And you would sweat. So the sunscreen would get in my eyes. It was terrible. And I fell down an entire mountain. And this, I was like 12, 13. So you're like right at the age where you're just boy crazy. And this super hot guy nope. that we had been eyeing <laughs> the entire day comes zipping up to me. And he's like, hey, are you okay? And I was like, oh, my God. Can I'm I just say mortified. the amount of times in my life that a hot guy has asked me, hey, are you okay? After me just eating shit is like way more than him just being like, hey, what's your name? Yeah. Like, a hundred oh, times more. I don't think I've had the, hey, what's your name? It's always just like, no, have hey, I. you just fell real hard and we all saw that. Are you okay? You spilled a lot of spaghetti on your lap. <laughs> you need some help, ma'am? Please stop talking to me, sir. Yeah. Uh, I, you're making this worse. I'm very yeah. embarrassed. I will now. say I just went camping last March, the March before with my friends from high school uh and that was the first and last time we went tent camping ever since oh. then we just rent cabins uh or condos because we're like we just want to hang out and like drink and play yeah. car- like play uh this game called gaucho ball it's really fun Ooh. you just like bounce a ball in the cups and mostly it's just us shouting at our friend sean and then he ends up having a drink and then he always passes out but we went camping in tents and it was like in march so it was nice during the day and at night it was the coldest i had ever felt in my life <laughs> And all night, all I, cause I was by myself in a little one person tent and all I could think of all night was like, I'm going to get murdered. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get murdered right here. And you start to fall asleep and you're like, is the murderer here yet? <laughs> you is just see a shadow pass in front of your tent. It could be a raccoon. It could be an eagle. And I'm like, I'm going to die. This yeah. is how I die. Yeah. So, uh, this story kind of involves, uh, very, two very unfortunate things, mm-hmm. which is camping in the snow and then maybe <laughs> so also getting murdered. So. Your worst nightmare. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Being outdoors, wet, cold, also having to sleep in a tent, yeah. and eventually you're you're murdered. There's also one of the more horrifying parts of the story. There seem to be a lot of singing of folk songs. Uh, no, thank you. No. Someone so pulls like- out. You're at, that's how you get murdered. You pull out a fucking acoustic guitar and start going after Wagon Wheel, and you're going to get your ass beat. <laughs> you will get murdered in your tent that night. Oh, that song is a jam, though. <laughs> <laughs> I went through a phase where I would just listen to various covers of that song. Darius Rucker, man, yeah. that's the best one. Darius Rucker has a really good one. I just, uh, I really like Darius Rucker. Just Booty like, and the Blowfish Booty. was a big part Mus- of my child, of my high school. I like it musically and sexually. Oh, <laughs> big fan of Hootie. Darius Rucker. Oh yeah. Well, so all right. The Diatla, Diat, is it Diatlov? I listened to a six and a half hour audiobook, Yikes. and it's Diatlov. Diatlov. It's called Dead Mountain, and mm-hmm. it was a lot of information. I would not recommend this book. 
hot take. It was a lot of information about the incident, but like not any really more stuff that you couldn't find on the internet. Yeah. But it, and I think the idea was this guy was going to like mix in his personal narrative. Because, like, he had a baby. His girl, he knocked his girlfriend up at the time, and they had a baby. The author? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh... Why would anyone care? Thank you. <laughs> Anytime he talked about himself, I was like, but, like, tell him more about the yeah, Russian wh- murders. Why? <laughs> that makes no sense. No. It was was he there? No, because they're all dead. So why would anyone care what his story is? Nobody does. And it was, like, 2013. It is interesting, because he does interview, like, the only survivor, but the guy, like, doesn't tell him anything. Again, that isn't on, like, conspiracy forms. Yeah. So it was just like, oh. It was good for me, because I don't have a ton of time to, like, uh, look stuff up, so yeah. I was able to listen to it. Uh, but would not recommend Dead Mountain. Uh, but Dyatlov, he said you it. returned it, did you not? To oh Audible. my god, stop fronting me out on Audible. <laughs> yes, I returned it, and I said did not like narrator because he was also the author, and I was like, I don't like this guy. Oh, I hope it sends him an alert. <laughs> He's just like rejection. But I was talking about my wife. No, no, it was his girlfriend. Oh, oh. Uh, let's not judge. <laughs> I'm just saying. So the Dyatlov Pass incident. Yes. I was not familiar with this either. But two of our listeners recommended we do an episode. This is on the it. one that Tommy had heard about, but you hadn't. Yes. Okay. This is the one when I told my mom what it was. She goes, "Why do I care?" <laughs> well, we're gonna make you care, Nancy. Uh, why do I? I don't know what that is, and why do I care? <laughs> I didn't either, and I did a lot of research, and it is haunting, fascinating, and terrifying. All wrapped into one. I think what I'm going to start saying when people ask me to do stuff at work is, I don't know what that is and why do I care? <laughs> Not going to last very long. I will just use that in life yeah. as well. All right. Where are we at? Let's what get into the it? incident. It is 1959. In January of 1959, a 23-year-old radio engineering student from the Ural Polytechnical Institute named Igor Dyatlov assembled a group of nine other students for a skiing expedition. The goal of the expedition was to hike across the Siberian wilderness to reach the mountain Ortorten, located in the northern Urals of Sverdslak Oblast, Soviet Union. Let me just give you now, a lot, a lot of... Now sh- Russia. A lot of shout-outs of you trying to pronounce all these yeah. Russian words and names. Everyone... Buckle up, because there are a lot of Russian names. I'm going to do my best to not... Ooh, I was about to make a real insensitive pun. I thought you were just going to say mess them up. I was going to say butcher them, but then I We don't know that they were butchered. That's true. That's true. Um, But I'm going to do my best to, to do these names justice. So during this time of year, a trek of this magnitude was classified as a cat Three, that was the most. Dis- it was the most difficult. And I was saying that's why they were they're all category two people, and they, they were uh, they were all grade two, grade twos, yes. and then to get to be grade three, you had to hike so many miles mm-hmm. in such uh, difficult terrain. Yes, so they yeah. were. That's because you know one would say, "Well, would possess you to hike to a place." called by the monzi indigenous people dead death mountain dead, dead mountain dead mountain yeah dead mountain what would possess you to do that and it was because it was the only way to get this next level certification yes, yes. uh there were eight men and two women on this little trek they were grade two hikers with ski experience and then after completing this they were going to be made grade three which at the time in the soviet union was the highest you could get so it was a real honor for them, and Igor was known as this famed hiker at the university, and it was a real honor to get to be asked to go on his expedition, so they were all pretty pumped. 
And he was getting close to graduation. This was going to be like his last hike before mm-hmm. graduation. Mm-hmm. Well, on January 25th, the group took several trains from Ivdel to Vizhai, where they rested up and ate loaves of bread, which I am all for. <laughs> as long as it doesn't mean I have to go on a hike, but I love to eat loaves of bread. I love to rest and eat loaves of bread. There's a... That, <laughs> Uh, farmer's market that they have at Buckner and Garland Road yes. on Saturdays. And there's a place called Empire Bakery that's a European Oh, bakery. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have sourdough that's not made with wheat. It's, like, made nice. with just yeast. And I will buy a loaf of it. Because you're gluten intolerant. Gluten intolerant. No more. No Because I'm allergic to wheat. No more will I buy it because I'll eat an entire loaf of yeah. bread that's, like, the size of a throw pillow on a sofa. <laughs> <laughs> I can eat just a loaf of bread and, like, a stick of butter. Yeah, just butter it's and bread. pretty gross That's how, how I eat that easily stuff. that goes down. Or also avocado. Like, I'll put, just, like, oh, slice yeah. the sourdough, put some avocado. Get out of here. I have my Gwyneth Paltrow book. Makes What, Goop? No, it's not called Goop. It's called, uh, <laughs> oh, I can't think of the name of it. Anyhow, it's her cooking book. Uh, uh, the only recipe I've ever made out of that is avocado toast. <laughs> okay, I have some hot takes on avocado toast. Go on. People have been putting avocado on bread for years mm-hmm. why now is it this revolutionary hipster <laughs> invention called avocado toast do you know how long i've gotten avocado on a subway sub oh but you have it's like a sandwich though you're talking about this is open face yeah but all it is is that there's nothing ingenious or brilliant well, about spreading me... some fucking guacamole on a piece of bread christy is not guacamole <laughs> <laughs> listen let me tell you about going to paltrow's avocado toast uh. recipe Take the avocado, slice it up. You put lemon juice, gr- freshly ground pepper, black okay. pepper, and freshly ground sea salt, and then you moosh it all up in there, and then you spread it, on, and then it's very good. I'm sure it is. It's just an avocado on a piece of bread. <laughs> Man, fuck you. <laughs> what are these people doing? I love riding both of those things. I love both of those things. I do not like Gwyneth Paltrow, though. Not I do like fan. riding trains. Have I been on a train? I think I have been on a I train. I rode the Amtrak. Yeah, I've been on, like, those trains. To and from uh, Chicago to Dallas, back and forth. Oh, and damn. I rode a train all the way around, all the way around Europe. What a dumb thing to say. I rode it from Switzerland to Germany to Italy and back to Switzerland. Wow. So it's fun. It was That's about four fun. or five hours at a time. Nice, nice. Well, yeah, they took a train uh, to Vizhai. They ate their bread to carbo load for their hike the next day. Got to. Yeah. Just bowls of fettuccine Alfredo. <laughs> yeah. Like that office like Michael Scott. <laughs> yeah, you got carbo. On January 27th, they set out on their trek. The following day, one of the men, Yuri Yudin, who suffered from a heart condition, became ill and had to turn back. Little, he had all kinds of stuff wrong yeah, with him. Yeah. And he little did problems? he know that his illness... Had ironically just saved his life. Yeah. The weak, this is the opposite of evolution because the weakest <laughs> one survived. Yes. Yeah, he had rheumatoid arthritis, some kind of heart thing and a lung thing. I don't even know why he was out there. Yeah, he was with. busted. I was like, get <laughs> home. How to- did he even get cleared to make this journey in the Go first Go to the life? hospital, buddy. Yeah, so he got out there and uh, had to turn back, luckily for him. And so now there are nine. And yeah. then there were nine. Yes. Well, after hiking for a few more days, the group arrived at Kolat Svakel, which aptly translates to Dead Mountain. They made a cachet. Is it cachet or cash? For what? Use it like in a, sentence. They made a cash for their supplies. Like, a, you know, if you were going to make a box to put all your supplies, like So they made storage. a box for their supplies? Sure. They made a box <laughs> for their extra supplies so they could travel lighter and... 
and on February 1st, they started to move through the pass. The plan was to reach the other side and make camp for the night. However, a snowstorm and high winds made visibility nearly impossible. The group became disoriented and mistakenly deviated to the west. When they realized their mistake, they decided to stop and set up camp on the slope of the mountain. Let's yeah. just think about people from about 2007 back to the beginning of time. Okay. Hiked traveled did all kinds of whatnot without the use of a yeah phone. i think about that a lot like no gps i gps from my office oh to yeah the dog daycare and i go there three times oh a week. i gps everywhere everywhere a lot of times just to see if there's a better way true true but, but also, also because i have no sense of direction well, i can straight up get like confused like i can get turned around certain places um but the idea that they're like going up this very treacherous, highly graded mountain and there's, you're literally relying on like a compass mm-hmm. and a map yeah. and, or like the Bermuda Triangle people were like relying on compasses that sometimes go wacky. So mm-hmm. it's just like how landmarks, which can look the same because or, yeah. it's just a bunch of trees covered in snow. You're like remembering something that you think you're remembering, but is actually wrong. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't know how. And also just because, oh, we're lost, but we can't call anyone to help us. For real. Maybe you wouldn't even get cell service, but still just having like some kind of uh, safety net. I always believe, well, I don't know about how they work in real life, but I feel like I've seen satellite phones in movies. like, Mm -hmm. And I feel like you just get one of those. Yeah. Like on Lost. Okay. I forgot that they had a satellite phone. I watched... The first season of Lost. It's one of the best ones. Then I I didn't watch it anymore. And then uh, my friend Katie Williams, who was my, uh, shout out Katie Williams, she's my roommate in college. And uh, she and I and a friend all went out drinking on uh, right near Wrigley in Chicago. Uh-huh. And uh, we went to Cubby Bear. And the Cubby Bear has I've like there. dollar test tube shots on whatever weeknight we were there on. And we did so many test tube shots. And Bocce Pizza was across the street. I don't think it's there anymore, but you can get a slice of pizza for like $5 that's as big as like a human uh-huh. torso. And um, <laughs> That'll go nicely with your throw cushion loaf of bread. Yeah, I definitely remember dancing in Cubby Bear, and then I remember sitting in Bocce Pizza, and the pizza was gone, and I was going for the crust. This uh-huh. was before I knew I was allergic to wheat. And uh, I'd be very sick the next day, and not know why, uh, for multiple reasons. But anyhow, I'm like down to the crust, and Katie and I are making eye contact, and she goes, and anyway, and that's how Lost, that's like the plot of Lost. <laughs> and I was like, wait, no, 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 say it again. And she's like, I'm not going to say it again. It took so long. I was like, how long have we been talking about this? And she's like, a long time. I was like, please, please just tell me. I still don't know what happened on Lost. Oh, then you should watch it. Nah. Oh, it's oh good. It's good. <laughs> I am currently re-watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, so I don't have time to watch I've never Lost. watched that one. Well. I think Tommy did. Yeah, he said it was pretty good. Yeah. Well, many wonder why the group didn't just head the mile back down the mountain to the forested area in order to have some protection from the elements. That's a great point, because even without a GPS, down is home. Well, and you just passed all of that, too. Yeah. So they knew the mountain was down, or the forest was down, where there could have been protection. However, Yudin, who is the only survivor believes that Dyatlov, who was the leader, made this decision so they wouldn't lose the altitude they'd already gained and because he wanted to practice camping on the side of a mountain because they'd earn, like, difficulty points for the stuff they're trying to get. I tell you what, we are learning time and again these things go awry due to the hubris it's- of man. <laughs> 
because a man won't stop and ask for directions. Damn directions. Everyone loses their life. We see what happens. Yeah. Well, one might ask, how do we know how all what all is going on? It's because cameras and diaries were Correct. found at the campsite since there are no living survivors to tell us what Correct. happened. And they had to write it all down, I think, too, for... They had, like, a secretary each day they would appoint, like, a di- or the diarist, that's what they called yeah. it, a daily diarist. Uh, and it's funny because the reading in, as the man in the book would read the diary entries, each person had, like, their own little individual voice, and he could kind of figure out after a while who was writing. And Ludmilla is my favorite one. Is yeah. that Ludia? What was her name? Uh, Ludmil- Ludmilla? Yeah. Yeah. She's, uh, she's pretty salty. <laughs> yeah. She's a, she's a bad bitch. I like her a lot. <laughs> Well, cameras and diaries found at the campsite show the group to be in good spirits while making camp. It is believed that around 5.30 p.m., they all hunkered down for the night in the 26-square-foot tent that they were all sharing. According to autopsy reports... Wait, wait, wait. 26 feet? Square feet. 26 square feet, and there's nine people. It's probably, like, maybe the size of the room we're in. Which is, like, 10 by 10? Yeah. I don't know. I don't... I don't understand square feet. Same. I think it's... I could have looked I was about up. to say, don't you times it? But that wouldn't make sense. Well, everything that That's I little. researched was in meters. So I had to oh. calculate because I figured most of our listeners are American and we don't... We're, we're stupid and don't do what the rest of the world does. Well, that makes sense. It's a... Okay. Wait. I typed in 25 square feet. Oh, here, how big is a room? That's 250 square feet. That'd be 15 by 15. That's little. Yeah, for nine people? That's tiny. Yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't the Hilton. I bet they... Oh, shut up. (laughs) I bet they get all smashed up. I mean, on top of each other on purpose, because for heat, maybe. It's so fucking cold. 26 square feet so little. Because this room's probably 250 square feet. Or probably Mm, 200 square feet. Yeah, probably. Because it'd be 10 times 10 times 10. So it was smaller than this? Yeah, smaller than this room. Yeah. I mean, that's itty bitty. All right. It's a little, it was a little tent, but they were all sharing it. According to autopsy reports, between 6 to 7 p.m., they ate what would be their last meal. Well, spoiler alert, if there's autopsy, someone has died. (laughs) Someone died. Well, spoiler alert, they all died. Yikes. What happened next remains a mystery to this day. Between the hours of midnight and 3 a.m., the group became so spooked that they cut their way out of the tent, fled the security of their shelter, and ran out into the sub-zero temperatures in just their socks and underwear. Yeah, they said the cuts came from inside, inside the, the tent. tent. <laughs> the calls come <laughs> from inside the house, yeah. They called a seamstress lady who's like a specialist in like sewing up uh, tears and rips, and she determined that the cut... That is a niche job. <laughs> <laughs> she determined, I bet my mom could, she's like sewed forever. I bet she could figure out if something was like a cut or a rip. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, well, maybe someone from the outside ripped it or a mm-hmm. branch ripped it. Or like if snow fell on it, it would have collapsed and ripped it. But the way that the snowfall was and the way that the cut was, they could tell that it was with one of their axes or like mm-hmm. mallets, or not mallets, axes or knives. And it came from inside because tears go along the grain and this was like across the grain. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And the zipper to the tent was still locked it was still locked zipped and locked yeah so and this was a thick like army grade canvas tent so Mm -hmm. it's all coleman from walmart no it took it wasn't like a tarp it took effort and time to cut through this so Mm -hmm. why would they have made that choice instead of going out the 
Zipper. the flap, which would have been much easier. I don't think Maybe we'll ever know. Something was blocking the flap. Ooh. So what or who was so terrifying that nine people thought they had a better chance of survival if they fled into the freezing pitch black night than if they remained in their tent. And these people fled partially clothed. Some were clothed. Some were just in their underwear. Nobody was fully suited. No, no one was dressed for how you should be dressed if you're going out into this weather. It's layers. Like one guy had no, a couple people had socks, no shoes. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, one guy had on like swim trunks only. Because you're gonna go swimming out there. You, you know might what? melt some snow and take yeah. a dip. He's like always prepared. <laughs> I will always be prepared. And then uh, one guy had on long johns and swim trunks. Another person had just ski pants on but no jacket. I mean, so it's various stages yes. of like undress. Grab your shit and go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So let's get into the search and rescue. So. We talked about not having a phone to call people. Yeah, how, how did anybody know they were missing? Because Dyatlov had promised when they left to send a telegram back to the university when the group returned to Vizhai. This is the old text me when you get home. Yes, yes. This is the, the first text me when you get home. Mm-hmm. So they would, their friends and family would know they made it back safely. It was expected to arrive February 12th. At first, there was no real concern when it didn't, as everyone just assumed that the trip took longer than expected. And he had told Yuri that he expected the trip back to take a little longer than they had originally accounted for. Mm -hmm. But when there was still no word as of February 20th, families demanded a rescue team be sent out to look for their loved ones. I always think about how, just how sad that is for, like... The not knowing and then knowing you can't really do anything about it. You're just helpless. Yeah. You, I mean, just sleepless nights yeah. and wringing your hands. Any, and anytime, like, somebody goes missing, they it said freaks Igor, me out. Igor Dyatlov's mother didn't want him to go on this trip. Ugh. And uh, he said uh, his sister was interviewed for the that Dead Mountain book. And his sister said, you know, whenever he was leaving to go on the trip, mo- you know, mother stopped him and said, please don't. It's so dangerous. I don't want you to mm-hmm. go. And he said, don't worry. I'm about to graduate. This will be my last Ugh, trip. It's always the last trip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I gave myself chills. <laughs> <laughs> so a volunteer group of students and teachers set out to find their colleagues. On February 26, two students found the group's abandoned tent. It was badly damaged, half torn down and covered in a light blanket of snow. Investigators that had arrived also discovered it had been cut open from the inside. They also found that the group had left behind almost all of their belongings. Shoes and blankets lined the tent walls. Warm clothes and wallets with with cash were present. They had even left their flask, which you know it's serious if you lose your flask. Despite this discovery, the rescuers were initially hopeful. They assumed the hikers had taken up shelter in a snow den or an abandoned house. They had no idea that the frozen bodies of their friends lie buried around them beneath the snow. (sighs) Yeah, it's yikes. So, investigators discovered nine sets of footprints leading away from the tent and down to the woods located roughly a mile away and they noticed that they were most all socks only yes. like they weren't boot prints they were no. feet prints it was very apparent that some were barefoot and some 
were in socks. And while at first the footprints were chaotic and spread out, they eventually narrowed into a straight line, as if the missing hikers had suddenly started walking in a single file. Which is very odd. Also very strange. After 1,600 feet, the footprints had been covered by snow. However, the rescuers continued to head northeast and quickly came to the edge of the tree line. Under a large cedar tree, they discovered the remnants of a small fire, and next to it, the bodies of Yuri Doroshenko and Yuri Krivonisherko. So that's all three Yuris have been accounted for. They, there are so many Yuris. <laughs> Two Yuris are down, and we got one Yuri It was home. like John for Russia. Both men were dressed only in their underwear, had minor cuts and bruises all over their body, and burns on their hands and head. Kravashenshenko was also missing the tip of his nose and a chunk of flesh from the knuckle on his left hand, which they later found in his mouth. It was thought that he had bit himself to stay awake or to possibly stifle a cry while hiding from something. Branches from the cedar tree were broken up to 16 feet, suggesting that the men had tried to climb it or use the wood for a fire. And they said their clothes were shredded. Mm. The causes of their death were listed as hypothermia. Well, that makes sense. But yeah, they were the ones that were in the long johns, the swim trunks, just t-shirts, but they were all shredded up, mm-hmm. laying beneath the cedar tree. Why? I don't know. Yeah, no one does. So... 984 feet up the slope from the cedar tree, they found Igor Dyatlov's body. It was found lying face up and covered in snow. It is thought that he was trying to make his way back to the tent when he met his fate. Like the other two, he was only in his underwear and had minor cuts and bruises on his body. He also had blood on his lips and was missing an incisor from his lower jaw. The coroner said the injuries on his hands were consistent with a fist fight. He was still wearing his watch, which had stopped at 5.31 a.m. Wow. Cause of death listed as hypothermia. But a little over a thousand feet from Dyatlov was Zenaida or Zena Kolmorgorova. Zena was found face down and also had minor cuts and bruises. She also had a foot-long bruise on her lower back that appeared to be fresh. The coroner said it looked like she had been hit with a blunt object. He also said, get ready for this, that he examined her and she wasn't sexually active. Why, though? Why are you... First of all, that's a myth. What is he... He's looking for... The hymen, or the lack thereof. Yeah. And that can be broken a million ways. Why are you poking around in there? (laughs) Well, because she was very attractive. And a lot of people thought maybe whatever happened had to do with men fighting over her and trying to get with her. Okay, so the diary entries, and in Dead Mountain, they talk about that they all, and Yuri, the interview that the guy did with Yuri, he talked about that, yes, they kind of, like, liked both of the girls, but that it would be, quote, very un- uh, like very unheard of for them to have a crush on or like date one of the girls in the group because they're all communist. They were like really mm-hmm. staunch communists. This was like Russia in the height of the Cold War. And so 
like here think about this you're you and tommy are together in a group of like 10 people and the shit starts to go down you and tommy are going to save each other first yeah but i mean obviously you should you're Mm -hmm. married but so for them if it's like xena and igor are together and the shit starts to go down they'll be like oh let's save each other and so it's like no we cannot act on our feelings because we are one holistic group and we refuse to take sides or play favorites. It's like Survivor. Yeah, pretty much. Well, and they also said she was the one that was found in the ski jacket and ski pants, but no shoes. Yeah. And they said it looked like, you know, she, like you said, blood on her face, but they said it looked like she was maybe mid-climb and got hit in the back. Like Which she was trying to climb back. Bruise. Yeah, and it bruised her on her back. Yeah. So. Yikes. Also listed as hypothermia, cause of death. The next body wouldn't be discovered until a week later on March 5th. Rustam Slobodin was found face down between the bodies of Dyatlov and Zena. While dressed in more clothes than the others, it was still not nearly enough for the freezing conditions. He was the only one so far to be wearing footwear, but it was only one boot on his right foot. In addition to the cuts and bruises, Rustam also had a skull fracture. Despite that, though, his death was still listed as hypothermia. They said that first, a lot of these bodies, they didn't see them right away. And they yeah. had these long poles and they were, wa- the searchers oh, were walking God. with poles and basically sticking yeah. down in the poles. See if you hit something. And if you hit something. And that's God how they found damn. a lot of them. Yeah. Well, the remaining four bodies would not be found until two months later after the snow began to melt. On May 5th, Alexander Kolevator, Alexander Zol. Zoloteriov, Nikolai Tibu Brignoles, and your girl Ludmilia Dubanina were found in a ravine 246 feet further into the woods than the location of the cedar tree. Tree. <laughs> I just say tree. <laughs> we don't see no tree. Come on. Are you, what are you, me as a two year old? Yeah. <laughs> all two. What? There's some comedian that does a bit of, I think it's Pete Holmes does a bit like, why did we all not say our R's for, like, in the first, like, five years yeah, of our life? until you're in, like, first grade. Yeah, what? And then it's just, like, a thing that everyone does. Well, they were, they found, were found in a ravine. Far fall. They were all better dressed than their friends, suggesting that they had probably taken the clothes off of them after they died, which that's a fun thing to have to do. Yeah. Unlike their previous companions, they had much more severe injuries. Kalevatov had a broken nose, deformed neck, and an open wound behind his left ear. Both of his eyes and the soft tissue around them were missing. Maybe from animals, maybe from something else. Possibly the strangest discovery was that his clothes were found to be radioactive. He was a nuclear physics major and spent the time, spent a lot of time in the lab, which could account for this, However, small amounts of radiation were also found around the area. Still, his cause of death was listed as hypothermia. Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. think that maybe the Soviet Union was like, you will write that they died of hypothermia? I do think that the Soviet <laughs> Union had a lot to do with The Russian military had a lot to do with this. Zolotaryov had suffered several severe injuries as well. His right rib cage was fractured, and there was a large open wound on the side of his head that was so deep his skull was exposed. He was also missing his eyes and eyelids. Again, could have been from animals or postmortem putrefaction or something else. Mm-mm. 
He was the first one to not have his cause of death be hypothermia. His cause of death was whatever caused the injury to his chest. Wow. Yeah. And a lot of people think maybe they fell into this ravine. Mm. That's true. If you're running in a snowstorm, you can't see. Well, but doctors said and the coroner that these types of injuries could not be caused from a fall, that they were consistent with car accidents or explosions. Oh. It had to be something that powerful to cause these types of internal damage. Wow. So not even just like getting punched. Oh, no. No. Unless you were punched by a car. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Ford Focus or the Hulk. Yeah. Brignoles had died from a massive impact to the skull. He and Zolotaryov were the only ones to have wear- wearing footwear. Some believe that that meant they were already outside of the tent when this incident occurred. Uh-oh. Probably taking a pee. They were, so they Did they had, cut themselves out of the tent and go pee pee? I think they were. Oh, that's a good question. Ooh, I hadn't thought about that. Oh, I bet. They went out the zipper, and then the other people zipped it back up because it was cold. Yeah. But then, so it wasn't locked. It was just zipped shut. It was locked. So maybe they zipped it and locked it. But yeah, that's... Why would you lock your friends out? I don't know. (laughs) I think we just stumbled upon a clue. (laughs) (laughs) Solving mystery. I have my magnifying glass out and my pipe, and we are now going to be... Uh, do you want to be Sherlock or... Always. I'm always Sherlock. What's the other one? Dr. Watson. Watson. Okay, I'll be him. Okay. <laughs> you definitely have to be Watson because you said, okay, I'll be him. <laughs> so your girl, Ludmilla, had off- also suffered a crushing injury to the chest, which led to her death. All but eight of her ribs were broken. Yeah. Missing eyes, eyelids, and her tongue. Yeah, and they said it didn't look like it got eaten out by, like, animals, mm-hmm. and it looked like it was removed. They say due to the amount of blood the coroner found in her stomach, it is very possible that she had been alive when her tongue had been removed. Yeah. Her clothes, also radioactive. Nope. She was not a nuclear physics major. Maybe she was rubbing up on one. Oh, or maybe... They were testing bombs in this area. And they got blown up. Maybe. Or saw something they weren't supposed to. That's what Yuri other guy said, maybe. That's... When we get into... Uh, theories. Theories. That is what I believe. So, like I said, the injuries the hikers in the ravine didn't appear to be from weapons or a fall. Said they were consistent with an accident or explosion. So what, Heather, could have caused them? There are so many questions we have. There's a lot of questions. So, theories. One common theory, which a lot of people buy into, but I'm going to also, I'm going to, we're going to talk about these theories and then we're going to debunk these theories. Okay. Cause there's, <laughs> there's a lot of debunking to be had. There's a lot of debunking. First I hate one, to tell you I'm going to debunk your radioactive. Oh, Go you ahead. are? Yeah, probably. Go ahead. Uh, the first one up, Avalanche. Yeah. Yes. So, theory is, The group heard a rumble, fled the mountain, and went for the tree line so the trees could break break the the snow coming down and maybe give them a chance of survival. And statistically, that would be most likely, right? And that's that's a whole Sherlock Holmes thing of, like, whatever the most likely theory is. If you can debunk that, then, you know, you got to debunk them all. Yes. Dr. Phil taught me that. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) 
But the problem with that is that the grade of the mountain of where they're at mm-hmm. was only 16 degrees, and so it's impossible for there to be such an avalanche, yeah. especially one that they would hear rumble. Yes, and they say Dyatlov was such an experienced hiker and skier that if he thought there was a threat of them camping where they were he with an avalanche, he wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Also, if there had been an avalanche, all of those footsteps and their entire tent would have been covered in snow. That, exactly. So we're going to debunk it. There would have been avalanche. We're going to we're gonna edit in a debunk sound effect. <laughs> That's it. Not an avalanche. <laughs> also, you can't outrun an avalanche. Just heads up. If you're ever caught in an avalanche, you're probably... You're done, though. Although I did read, run to the side if you hear one. Oh, really? Yeah. But well, because it's coming down. So just wherever you are. Oh, don't run forward. Run, hang a left or yes, right. Yeah. Yeah. And just haul ass. All right. Next theory up Russian military, which I feel like this is a very strong theory, although Heather does not buy into no, it. No, no, no. The Russian, uh, the radioactive are two different things. The Russian military and radioactive. You go ahead and keep Well, reading. okay. I think. This is what I'm leaning towards. The Russian military in that area, it was it was well known by people that they would deploy floating mines, which were basically bombs with parachutes on them. So they would go off a few feet or meters above the ground. It would be a flash. And then whatever happens next, it falls to the ground or whatever. Now, search and rescue did not see signs of this. There However, was no, like, if there was a cover-up going on within the military... They wouldn't have found it. They wouldn't have found it because they would have sent people out there to clean it up already. There were reports of bright and bizarre lights in the Which sky. I think could, this could be attributed to. Yeah, in the month of February, there were uh, br- like bright lights. And the military pilot that was sent to the rescue mission mm-hmm. that was told to carry the bodies away refused... And he said, I will not put them in my uh, helicopter without zinc-lined coffins. Ooh. And zinc-lined coffins are known to prevent against radiation leakage. So he was convinced they were all just filled with he radiation. He was like, I'm not touching them. Also, Igor's sister flipped her lid when it came to the funeral. And she saw her brother and then Zena's dad was able to see her. But the coroner and the funeral director were like, these have to be close casket Because they were, not only were they severely violently injured but they were had like been exposed a lot so like it yeah no bueno but igor's sister said claims that he looked uh really awful she said his body was aged his skin was dark and rough and his hair looked gray Mm -hmm. it looked like an old man in a casket she's quoted as saying when you're in the snow your skin doesn't look like that right and so that's another feather in the cap of yes it was like some kind of radioactive bomb or missile or bomber yeah missile testing they did like you were saying radiological testing of bodies um, in the area in the area they said there was a occurrence of potassium 40 but that could be naturally occurring their clothes were exposed to unnatural levels about twice the allowable amount of radioactive materials uh, and that was by the time they got them back to the lab to be tested. Mm-hmm. At that point, they were, it was probably even higher before because they'd been sitting the day for days in like melting snow and water. Yeah. Um, now, could hypothermia cause your skin to look like that? That's what, uh, someone said. Oh, probably they were just out in the sun. Like before yeah. all that snow, they got You're cooked jerky, up. You're jerky, essentially. Yeah, you got cooked up in the sun. So, I mean, you got burnt up. Yeah. 
Um, so basically what happened is this guy named Ivanov was the detective assigned to the case, right? Because mm-hmm. he was a prosecutor. He's quoted as saying, which is his, like, classic. Uh, this is, like... I don't want people to think we're man bashers, but I will say this is a classic dude move to say a thing and then do like the opposite. Right. He's like, I am honest, not corrupt, and I sleep very well at night. <laughs> and then he like goes on to be like pretty corrupt. <laughs> um, funny that. Um, so he basically is sent in to investigate uh, what's going on. And at first he really does think that they're um, that something went down because Something unexplained. Yeah. Or something within the military. Something violent went down. And basically the more and more he, the closer and closer that he got to it, the more he was basically told to like step off. Yeah. And he was also told to not put anything in his reports that had to do with UFOs. Yep. The regional communist committee told him not to say anything about orbs and nothing about murder. And basically, if anybody put forth that theory that there was something violent or outside forces, that they all died of hypothermia. Yes. And, like, if anyone told the prosecutor that, he had to basically tell people, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, basically, fellow hikers were all seeing these, like, light fi- fire orbs yes. or whatever that pe- – but, so, I uh, – the radioactivity, they have since tested and said that there was nuclear testing, like, nearby in the – in, uh, even if it was a few miles away, mm-hmm. it would still be in the atmosphere and it could cause that level of radiation on your clothes. So, is that harmful to you? No, it wouldn't, like, kill you or anything. They said that that's, like, a normal... Oh. Even though it's higher than, like, the allowable amount in Soviet Russia, that it was, like, pretty normal. But where I think that the government came in... So part of the area that they passed was, like, gulags, where there were, like, gulags. What which are gulags? Were, like, they're prisons. They're like Russian torture prisons oh, for political prisoners. Some of them still exist, but mostly they're for like violent criminals now. But back then, if you said anything against uh, the government that you – it's like a, one of the places they stopped was Iftal mm-hmm. on the way there. And that was a big gulag town where there was all these political prisoners. And so some people think maybe politi- like some sort of prisoners got out or oh. on their on their hike they saw something they weren't supposed to see. Yeah. And so then the Russian government fought – like the KGB followed them. I think that's waited till highly, they were, highly possible. Yeah, waited till they were asleep and beat the shit out of them and killed them. And then they said that Ludmilla probably – they said she was super defiant and then if they told her like you know lay down and take it she'd be like no and spit on them and they'd probably like cut her tongue out while she was alive kind of to show how does it explain them cutting their their way out of the tent someone said uh yuri the surviving yuri i can't think of his last name yudin yuri yudin was interviewed in 2013 50 56 years to the day or whatever that whenever this guy interviewed him uh, he said that he, they saw something that they shouldn't had shouldn't have seen, yeah. and they uh, were yelled at from outside the tent by KGB guys that said basically we have guns and we're going to shoot you. Get out of the tent this second, or we're going to start shooting in the tent. And that's why they cut their way out. And we're like, okay, we're out, we're out. What do you want? And but then, why wouldn't they just unlock it, unzip it? Well, his theory is that they were like, they said, if you don't get out of the tent right now, we're going to start shooting. And so if it's locked and you have to go, I have to get the key. I have to get, it's like, fuck it, dude, just get the knife. Um, And then that's why they don't have any pants or clothes on. Some people do because the first three or four people out of the tent aren't going to be clothed. But the last, you know, two or three are back there trying to put their shoes on. And they were going to bed. They're Yeah. Oh, they were asleep already. Yeah, yeah. And so they're in their bed clothes, so they're trying to get dressed. And so he thinks that then the KGB said, get out of the tent at gunpoint. 
you saw something you weren't supposed to see. We're going to march you out and kill you. And that some of them took off running because it's uh, like you can't kill all of us. Right. Some of them took off running. And then the other ones, they mar- he, They didn't want it to look like somebody came in and shot a bunch of people. So basically that the KGB marched them out to their death and like forced them to like freeze to death. So they just marched them so far away that, that they, they knew they couldn't get they back. They couldn't get back. That's what Yuri Yudin thinks happened. I think that's a, a probable theory. Yeah, and so the reason why a lot of people think that the government had something to do with it is because um, basically at the, the what we were saying about Ivanov, the, in, the prosecutor that was investigating was eventually just told, hey, wrap it up. Yeah. Stop. Stop investigating. And so that's where he came up with the phrase, an unknown compelling force. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Which then, is so vague. You know, and they also had a lot of things with the funerals. So basically, everybody wanted to have their kids sent back home and bury their kids at home. And the government was like, nope, we're going to bury them at the closest, uh, in a mass grave at the closest <gasps> city. They were all buried in one grave? No, because the family flipped shit like you would. Yeah. And they're like, no, we want to see our kid. We want to bury our children. Absolutely not. And the government went back and forth and said, okay, we'll give you their bodies, but only if you promise not to have a single big funeral because they didn't want to draw attention to it. Mm. So if it's just an accident, it's like the incident where the plane crashed on the side of the mountain it's very famous i can't donner party oh yeah yeah no like, the donner party wasn't a plane they whatever. were tra- the uh, the the soccer team yeah they, well, they, did they eat each other yeah okay whatever but both so, both of those stories involve cannibalism anyways any situation where there's like an accident and people are eating each other that's why would you worry about drawing attention to it? It's a sad tragedy. Like, let's all grieve together as yeah. a nation. Why were they so concerned about not having, like, a big... They basically didn't want to have a big memorial service that drew attention for the first funerals. They said that the KGB was monitoring the funerals. They were out there at the funerals. They were uh, watching the graveside service. That draws attention to it. You know what? I know. Because um, what was their explanation for that? They did not have one. They just they do. just said this is 1959 Soviet Union and we can do whatever the hell we want. Yeah, basically they said we're we told you you can't do this. Uh, and also the government there was a funeral procession from the for a couple of them from one place for you know from the church or whatever to the graveside and the government redirected it so that like the public could know where they were going like took them off course very shady yeah and then yeah like i said the kgb like monitored the graveside service when this guy went out there when the author of the book went out to russia because he's an american journalist he was driving a rental car and somebody like busted up his rental car mm. and Yuri Yudin was like, that's, that's the FSO. What is it? The FOS. It's like the current equivalent basically to the, the Russian KGB. Military? Yeah. To the KGB, not the Russian military, uh. the KGB specifically. So FSB. Yeah. Basically, uh, the interviewer was like, yeah, my car that I rode in from the airport got really damaged. It's totally weird. And Yuri Yudin's like, that's the FSB. Damn. He's like, that's how they do it. Yuri Yudin's still, uh, Still alive? He's still alive. Uh, well, at least as far as uh, when this book was published and uh, still hikes. <laughs> Dang. He was going to go on the trek because this journalist went out to where the mountain, went out to Dead Mountain, went out to the Dyatlov Pass. And here Yudin's like, yeah, I'll go. And he's like, yeah, I have arthritis. Yeah, so it was renamed the Dyatlov Pass after this incident, after mm-hmm. Igor Dyatlov. Also, it was, you couldn't hike that area for three years after this happened. Mm-hmm. They shut it down. They did. Um, now you can, but like, why would it be shut down for three years if you're not trying to 
make sure you've covered all of your tracks. They also demolished the settlement area where the hikers had stopped. Like, the government came in and demolished the area. So, yeah, what it's, was there? It's, it's shady. What was there? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I um, didn't know about those prisons, which that's... The old or, or maybe it was just, like, testing of something else going on. Yeah, well, some Military. people are like, oh, maybe, like, people escape from the gulags, and they're like, well, really, it wasn't... It's not like if somebody escaped from, like, the Colorado Supermax, where it's, like, the worst murderers ever. They're like, it's like political prisoners, and they would have been starved, and they would have died before they yeah. even got to them. It had to have been someone dressed for that weather yeah, to be able to march out there point. take him out and march back wow so what are some other theories another theory now that i just gave you the best one. yeah that is a good one it's kind of this is kind of along the same line of i am it a, being a, a third party i'm a tinfoil hat conspiracy so <laughs> i think that one was pretty sound logic though very into that um another one is that a third some third party forced them to leave the tent so yeah the russian special forces the Mansi tribe, the Monzi natives that we mentioned, which is the native tribe that lived in the area, and they were known for being aggressive. No, 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 opposite. They were not known. Yeah, for they being were known. Aggressive. They're a historically peaceful people. The foresters, because people would go out, foresters would go out in that area and chop down trees, and they said that the Monzis were super helpful. They were nonviolent. Habitually, if hunters were out there hunting and got lost, uh, like there were also people that would herd reindeer. And like reindeer herdsmen. That sounds like a fun job. Dude, right? That's like Santa. <laughs> exactly. The reindeer herdsmen would get lost. Um, and the, the Monzi would be like, yeah, come in our shelter and we'll help you wait until yeah. the snowstorm is so passed. So they're not going to um, commit these horrific crimes. Yeah, no. And they also said, no, um, there's not like sacred lands out there. They called it Dead Mountain, but it wasn't like uh, some sort of like tribal sacred ground mm-hmm. that people that, oh, the hikers are on our sacred ground. Yeah. Let's get them. It was just like, oh, yeah, it's a, de- it's a mountain that's going to kill you. Don't go up there. Oh, okay. And you're dead. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we told you. Yeah. And they also volunteered to help the missing hikers. So I think that's yeah. maybe some mean Soviet people wanting mm-hmm. to besmirch the good name yeah. of the tribesmen, the Monzi tribesmen and women. They also, the third party forcing them out has some weight to it because the cuts and bruises and like uh Igor's hands were look like they'd been in a fight. So the theory is these guys tried to put up a fight and a struggle. And they were all to young themselves. They were all in their early twenties except fit. for one was thirty eight. And which it was I think he was still young. <laughs> but they were yeah, they were young, fit. I one mean, of the they, guys was like a yeah, World War Two veteran and yeah. yeah, I mean they're like one of them had uh, saved them, saved in his previous expedition, had run a bear off from the camp. Yeah. They're, it, it they had to been yeah. something, or guns or something, you know, yeah. something tougher than just fists. But this has kind of been debunked because there weren't any other tracks from the tent other than the nine that would have been from the hikers and nothing was taken. However, again, the military can cover up a lot of stuff. Yeah. And they're not going to be interested in taking anything from yeah. the tent. Like, uh, and who is going to just rob people in the middle of a snowstorm? Well, they didn't take their money. The mountain? Yeah, that doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. Yeah. Okay. So it was definitely a, a Yeti? Is that what you're saying? Uh, that's another theory is or, Sasquatch, or as they call it, the Russian Yeti. The old Russian Yeti. The old Russian Yeti, which sounds like a sex move. Um, things because- got hot and heavy. He gave me the old Russian Yeti, and I had to leave. I took my things, and I left. I you said, have sir, leave. I don't do the Russian Yeti until a third date. Thank you. Thank you. If someone tries the Russian Yeti, you break up. Get break out up, of there. Dump yeah. them. Well, Brignoles who was kind of the resident group uh, picture taker, mm-hmm. 
on January 30th, he took a picture that has now famously been called Frame 17, which looks like it could be a Bigfoot. However, it's been very debunked by cryptid zoology zoologist which is a job what a a fucking cool job being a zoologist is a very cool job being a crypto zoologist is a way cool that's insane (laughs) what'd you do today oh i'm studying mothra let's look at the old mothra pictures (laughs) well they say your job is basically just to constantly disappoint people yeah which feels like it's my job too like what was that (laughs) the same (laughs) what was that show on like tlc or something where they would hunt Bigfoot. Oh, it's just a bunch of hillbillies setting up giant traps in the middle of the woods trying to catch Bigfoot. I think it may have been called Bigfoot Hunters. It was. It's terrible. There's no way. (laughs) I'm still mad at. no, it's Discovery Channel that made me think the Megalodon was real. My friend Pam had to uh, tell me on my birthday that the Megalodon was fake. I was very excited that it was real. Do you know that I didn't know until recently that narwhals were real? Oh, Christy. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, it's like the ocean unicorn. Yeah, it's like a real thing. We were, Tommy and I were at Target. There was a very cute stuffed animal that looked like a little dolphin with a unicorn horn and i was like oh this is cute and he's like yeah that's a narwhal i was like what's that and he's like it's a sweet sea creature i was like this is not a thing that exists <laughs> and so he googled it and he was like this is a real creature little did i know to be fair who could say if a megalodon is real or not i was like so convinced i'm like it's off the coast of africa like they found it and my friend pam's like oh honey no oh honey broke your little heart i was so sad well they also said it couldn't have been a yeti because there were no footprints around that were big enough for this (laughs) and but the mom i like that that's why there's um i'm sorry There are no footprints that are big enough for this to be a Sasquatch. They're like, Yeti's feet are very big, hence the name (laughs) Bigfoot, so... They said it looked... The cryptozoologist said it looked like a human. Ah. And we'll post this picture on our Instagram and Facebook, but it does look like it could be a Sasquatch, but if it's a human... What if it was, like, someone from the military or something scoping them out to see what was going on? Definitely. That's definitely who it was. Yeah. Another interesting thing, the Monsi tribe do think that maybe the mountain could be cursed by uh, those that have died before. Ah. There's a big thing with the number nine. <gasps> there were nine hikers. I just yes. got chills. Yes. So the legend is, uh, so there were nine hunters. Or that- hikers. But Well, this was oh, the sorry, legend. sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hundreds of years ago, nine hunters died under mysterious horrific circumstances on the same mountain in the same area blow my mind and then there were nine hikers on this one that died mysteriously and horrifically it's cursed also in 1991 an aircraft crashed there killing nine people wow so the theory is the mountain is cursed and haunted by evil spirits and, and so maybe it like cursed one of the people and made him nutso and killed everybody or it just attacked yeah. him like a demon. Yeah, maybe I, oh, that's wow. a good, I don't know. I don't know how that would have gone. Uh, here's another one. I feel like you like this one. UFOs. Yes. I think a lot of our listeners are going to think it was UFOs and it, <laughs> it could have been, it could have been uh, because like we said earlier, another hiking team, a few miles from, the group that was killed saw lights in the sky that mm-hmm. night. 
Uh, and local Monsey tribe members also confirmed that. There was also, on that same camera that had frame 17, the oh. very final picture taken was kind of just a blurry night shot, but it has these white light anomalies in it, mm-hmm. which could have been something flying away. could have also just been a malfunction on the camera. Or a ghost. Or, a go- <laughs> or an evil spirit. Couldn't it always be a ghost? Or um, a yeti. Yeah. A snow yeti, like the kind from the the Christmas movie. Yes. <laughs> that you sent a gif of, and I, I was did. like, that's a cute one. <laughs> <laughs> so they think that... Like we said, Ivanov was told, don't put anything in your reports about UFOs. Mm-mm. However, he also found that the tops of the trees at the bottom of the slope were burned. From like, like maybe where? something was hovering above it. Take off. Mm-hmm. Man. Or hovering down. Also, because the footsteps leading down from the tent were chaotic at first, but then became a single file line. Like they, they may were... have been entranced and oh. were being beamed up. Which and then is they got, maybe why the footprints just disappeared all of a sudden. They got beamed up and probed and then dropped back mm-hmm. off. Or, yeah, and like uh, things taken from them, their eyes, their tongues, all sorts of experiments <gasps> done on them, and then they were dropped back down. Oh, man. Yeah. So another that's another theory. I believe this next one is the one that the book you read. Oh focuses come on! on. Yeah, this. The, I don't think it's that crazy. You think it's, it's not, super? I don't crazy? think it's crazy. It was just boring. He talked about it for yeah. Between the sound thing and his baby, I was like, all right. Well, the baby thing, I do not get. I, and I have a baby, but if I'm writing a a book about um, a murder thing that happened, I'm not gonna just <laughs> randomly like, mention Ella in it. I looked at their bodies and I thought. <laughs> I have to come home because of my daughter. I was like, I mean, I get it, but like, uh, it was a little heavy. Yeah, yeah. My books that I read almost are exclusively nonfiction books, mm-hmm. and I just and my actually my degree is in nonfiction writing, my undergrad degree, oh. and, and it's just like you just hear th- certain things, and you're like, oh, that's this trope or that's this yeah. uh, thing that you're doing. It's very well done, and other times I'm like, I see what you were trying to do there, mm-hmm. which is not a thing you ever want someone to hear. You, yeah, you, not a thing you ever want to hear someone say about your work. Interestingly. All the books I read are fiction. Oh, look at that. I very rarely read nonfiction. Almost exclusively I read memoirs and autobiographies. That's interesting. Yeah. How interesting. That's why we work well together. There you go. Well, the theory that we're speaking of is something called infrasound, which is an ultra-low frequency sound wave, which can have extremely negative effects on human beings. I just saw this on the episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I was looking at, or I was watching last night, and they were doing testing on, like, crowd control devices. Mm-hmm. And Boyle, who's Joe Latrulio's character, had pissed off Stephanie Beatriz's character, uh, Rosa. And so she's like, he, he goes, yeah, if you point this concentrated beam at the, sus- at the suspect, it'll cause them to, like, lose control of their mind, their bowels, they'll get nauseated. And so, she, of course, she shoots it in mm-hmm. Joe Latrulio. Really, it's just so funny the way he like wriggles and shakes on the mm-hmm. ground. But that's basically what this is. And, and yeah. they're, they've since like developed it to be used as like crowd control. Yes. And also a torture device. Yes. Where it's a low frequency. And they said that the frequency causes the little hairs in your ears to perceive sound. But your oh. ear canal brainwave doesn't perceive sound. So it's this dissonance Ugh. where like your subconscious is like, I hear a thing, but your conscious is like, it's quiet in here. And you start to go nutso. I can't even wrap my brain around Yeah. That. So like it tickles, it's like low enough or it's strong enough to tickle the hairs in your ears, which is part of hearing, but not like 
sometimes when people are older and they lose their hearing, it's because the little hairs in their ears get all mashed down and don't get stimulated and then they don't transmit sound, right? So we all have these little hairs in our ears, Mm -hmm. but then we also have like our eustachian tubes and our ear canals and the vibrations are what we hear through. And uh, so basically it's strong enough to tickle the little hairs in your ears, but not strong enough for you to, your brain to consciously process that you're hearing sound. So like I said, literally it's like this feeling of like, did someone just touch me? No. So you think you're going crazy. That's exactly what it is. And they said it causes like horrible blinding headaches, hallucinations for prolonged periods, nausea, uh, and potentially could cause violent behavior. But mostly it's just the first few of like, you really, you're like fucked up. Yeah. Well, an expert said that if the conditions were just right that night because of the the smooth slopes and everything. And the wind was crazy strong. the wind was crazy strong that... The conditions could have produced these sound waves. However, to debunk this one, they said not all nine people would have been affected the same way. That's what I was thinking. And probably at least one of them would have had their wits about them to, like, try and talk people down. I think, though, if you've got, say, even, like, two people didn't think anything was wrong if you've got seven people losing their shit you and convincing run. you that like something's going wrong you're gonna go along with the group yeah or or like i was thinking i was like they're my the way that some of them are dressed and some aren't the two yuris were together at the tree the three other people were together it's almost like maybe like igor and Zeno went crazy and they're the and like he that's why igor's fists are bloody because he was had this dissonance in his brain where he could hear but not hearing maybe he's like someone's coming mm-hmm. or an avalanche is coming and they're like dude no it's not and they're all trying to calm him down and the two yuris were like fuck a bunch of this and run off and then maybe that's why maybe Zena was panicking and someone hit her in her back mm-hmm. that's why she's got a bruise in her back maybe that's why yuri's fists are like that mm-hmm. maybe yuri and Zena started chasing them or something i mean it's like the footprints kind of debunk a lot of that but it makes me think the infrasound I could only really reconcile it if it was like a couple of them had this issue and then their behavior, because they're not going to be able to say, well, a sound is making me feel crazy. They're just going to wake up and be like, I'm going to throw up. I'm going to run. Yeah. I'm going to run away. I got, it's like one time I had a bad reaction to, oh God, this is one <laughs> another one of those stories. I had a bad reaction to uh Cipro antibiotic. Oh yeah. And uh, I- That's- terrible antibiotic my skin was crawling mm-hmm. i felt like there were worms in my brain oh, i was oh. driving myself i was on laura greenville i stopped on swiss avenue i had on acrylic i had acrylic nails mm-hmm. and i just ripped every one of my acrylic nails off which gentlemen probably don't know this but like it hurts like a bitch it's like hermetically sealed to your finger mm-hmm. and i just w- didn't know what i was doing but i do remember i had a moment of clarity and i picked up the phone and i called my mom and i was like i'm losing my mind oh. i'm on laura greenville help and she was like, where are you? And I was like, I'm on the corner of like Swiss and Munger. You have to come get me. And she's just like, okay, we'll, we'll be on our way. Her and my dad came out. And uh, by then I had gotten out of my car, pretty sure I peed in the street. Wow. I was nuts. Was the middle of the day? Yeah. Oh, it was like rush hour. It was like coming home from work. So people were around? Around. I'm sure there were people walking their dogs. I didn't notice them. I get back in my car, end up driving, end up at the Taco Cabana with the dancing frogs on it. Uh-huh. And I, my parents walk in and I my nails are ripped off. I'm in a different outfit. Apparently, at some point, I changed clothes, and I'm just, like, sitting in Taco Cabana eating bean and cheese nachos. And you don't remember, like... I remember being in the car and feeling like my skin was crawling, and I remember the bean and cheese nachos. <laughs> but uh, you don't remember changing clothes or mm-mm, anything? Mm-mm. 
And I was like, my mom talked to the doctor and they're like, oh, that's like, the, again, it's like the body wrap. They're like, yeah. no, it's just an antibiotic. You'll be fine. Nothing's going to hurt. And it's like, no. Cipro's fucked up a lot of people that I know. It's bad. It's a really bad. It's one. so that one. And then I had uh, a certain, I think I had, oh, the Twilight knock them out when I got my wisdom teeth out and uh-huh. I lost my mind. What's screaming. that? It's like a special. Where you kind of feel like you're out of it. No, but no, no. Totally it knocked me it. out. It knocked me out. But on the up coming back from it, people can have hallucinations and oh, have a really bad yeah, reaction. Yeah, yeah. I will say propofol. Pretty sweet. <laughs> Pretty good. So, so there was a silver lining. Propofol is great. The rest well, of it, not so much. Anyway, so if you're, but when you're in that state, when yeah, I was, yeah, when yeah. you're Cipro crazy or when you're Infrasound crazy, there's not reason. Like mm-hmm. my mom wasn't like, oh, just calm down and drive home. She was like, okay, you're, I was like, I'm losing my shit. You're having a manic episode. I, I ripped my fucking nails yeah. off, dude. That hurts so bad. Yeah. And so that's, you, there's not any sort of rhyme or reason. If you want to start swinging and fighting, your friends are probably yeah. going to fight you because they don't know what's going on yeah. with you. You can't articulate what's wrong. And to, to kind of piggyback on that, that we there was a very probable explanation on Reddit, which was of all of these the most boring theory, but also that's usually how it is. It's probably just a, a weird fluke. Something happened and it led to this. But this guy said he thinks that a fight broke out in the tent between Yuri and or or uh, and Igor, Igor uh-huh. and. That's how the knife marks got on the inside of the tent. He was trying to stab him? Because, yes. And that is also why he would have bruises and cuts on his hands. Well, like half the people are dressed and half not because they're dodging a fight or whatever. And they got out of the tent um, and for whatever reason, like maybe ran off to continue the fight. Or maybe if if one of them has a knife and is trying to kill him, you're obviously going to run away from that. And then everyone else kind of ran out after them to save their friends. Well, and then they all got lost in the snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it was just down downhill from there. Oh, I did. It's, it's, it not, even, it's not it even a out. conscious thing it's that not on I purpose. do. You're not a bad person. Yeah. But, I mean, it's probably something along those lines. Yeah. It's probably, like you said, it's probably something – boring and when it you know it comes back down to it you know was it the government was it a government conspiracy was it a ufo was it infrasound or was it two human people mm-hmm. who were pissed off at each other and just wanted blood yeah which a lot of times is how these stories go and and some say to that that you know those pictures when they were sitting at the camp everyone was in high spirits there wasn't any kind of tension and that the group got along and all this stuff. So they kind of say like, they don't think that would have been characteristic of them. You never know though, what's going to set someone off. And maybe that infrasound thing did, like you said, it did just make one of them go crazy. And that just kind of stirred things up. I think it was either that the Reddit theory that was just a fight broke out and things got out of hand. Yeah. Or I still, I still feel like the government could be involved with this. Easily. Well, because, you know, they said, oh, there's not any tracks leaving. Says who? Yeah. The government's the one that investigated. Yeah. And they had weeks to, between the time mm-hmm. this happened and the time they were found. Yeah. Our search party was even sent out. They had all this time to well, go once out Once the there search party rolls up, there's footprints everywhere. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah. And you have no, uh, really solid crime scene because it's been out in the elements and when it's thousand of you know one body is a thousand feet away from another yeah. body it's not like it's five people got killed in one house yeah like yeah yeah and i think the uh like missing eyes and all of that can just be explained from the elements and, an- and animals and stuff yeah 
So, and the burns on the hands, those guys were trying to get warm by the fire. Yeah. I think the tree, the limbs were broken on the tree because they probably tried to climb up it to see if they could find their tent in the dark to know how to get back to it. Yeah. I've been in wind chill negative 19 and this actual temperature was negative 20 and the wind chill was negative 40. And like, if you're. That's a cold we can't even understand. You can't even fathom it. And so I would stick my hand in a fire. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, oh oh God, bring it on. Even being near it wouldn't be enough. Yeah. 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 So is that what you're going with? I really, I think it was the government. Yeah. I always think it was the government. Do you think that they stumbled, they saw something they weren't supposed to see or that they were doing like military testing like the the floating mines and stuff. So I'm more of the uh, of the idea that they saw something they weren't supposed to see because in that's still creepy and interesting though because like what did they see? Well, so when they were in Ifdal, they got off the train and supposedly went to like a school to like yeah hang out and, and help the, and just like teach the kids and hang out with yeah, the just kids hang out or whatever and then like so then there's like time between them getting off the train and going to the school and then coming back and that was like a gulag town and you never know i mean or even if they didn't see something in an official gulag you they could have seen like a torture site or you know you just don't know what they saw do you think they passed one on their journey yeah i think they didn't because they had enough time to set up camp i feel like they were stalked Oh, so that might explain the picture of what looks like a Sasquatch, but it may have just been they're someone like, in gear. Yeah, they're like, somebody's following us. Or, did you hear that sound over there? And just turn around and snap a picture in that direction. Wow. So I think they were stalked and killed by the KGB. Wow. I think that's a, a likely scenario. <laughs> do you think the KGB took their eyes and tongue and all that? Uh, the eyes probably were animals. I think her tongue was cut out. Oh. And I think based on her personality and based on KGB tactics that, yeah, if they were like, get on your knees and we're going to, you know, kill you or lay down in the snow and we're going to, you know, count. If we see you move, we'll shoot you or mm-hmm. whatever. She probably talked shit to them and they yeah. cut her tongue out if there was that much blood in her stomach. Wow. Well, we'll never know for sure. What happened to the nine cursed nine of yeah. Dyatlov Pass? Yeah. But it's an interesting story. And thank you, uh, 13 Herlinda on Instagram and Steve Good, which is had to be goo on Instagram for suggesting that when we, (laughs) when we asked what topics you guys want to hear, they suggested that one. So again, the past two episodes have been listener suggested topics. If you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know. And the chances are very high, statistically showing, that we will do it. We are two for two. <laughs> we are. Um, yeah, that's cr- Oh, three for three because my mom suggested the Winchester. House. Oh, the past three have all been listener suggested. Yeah. yeah. So you can. You're helping us. You're saving our uh, our list of ideas list. We're not marking oh, anything off true. of our list, our ideas list. <laughs> no, we haven't in a while. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost, so if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Ruling the Airwaves tier, a special shout out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, and patron-exclusive video and audio content, including our fun new edition, The Wheel, where we spin a real game show wheel and talk about all kinds of fun stuff. 
You also now have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We'll also be hopping on occasionally and hosting monthly Q&As where you can ask us all of your burning questions. For our patrons not in the U.S., you now have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those that select an annual membership option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. And make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. We recently added a new tote bag design and some warm, cozy socks for the winter. We also have beanies, hoodies, and all kinds of cool stuff. So if you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos... Visit Sinisterhood.com and click on Shop along the top banner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps small podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SinisterhoodPod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Christy? I am on Twitter at Christy or GTFO and on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace. Heather? I am on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sin is